We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hi, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining me for this episode is Guilhem Balague. Guilhem is a Spanish football journalist who works with Sky Sports, has written books on Pep Guardiola, Rafa Benitez, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Uh, but the reason why we're talking is about his new book, Brave New World on Mauricio Pochettino and Spurs. So I've just finished the book. Absolutely brilliant. Highly recommend it um, to all coaches. He's written it from a completely different perspective than you're going to get in 99.99% of, of football books, coaching books. So it's like a diary version of Pochettino throughout the 2016-2017 season. Takes you through the preparation, through his philosophies, how he deals with certain players, how he deals with certain scenarios. A fair bit of humour and a bit of emotion in there as well and the access to not only his thinking but how he how he lives daily, his his lifestyle habits and you know, how he gets away from football as well. It's just it's just brilliant. I, I was hooked on it from like the second page. I, I it takes you to places that not a lot of other books take you. So Gilem was it gives a brilliant insight to not only um, the process of writing the book but also how accessible Pochettino was and what his thinking is on certain things so hopefully you'll enjoy this not just for Spurs fans but I do think this is where football books will be going in the near future and we want to see what these people are like and why they're making the decisions they make and why they work the way they work so enjoy this one and here we go. Guilherme thanks so much for for joining me this morning um, talking over the book the Pochettino book that I just finished and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. That's yeah, okay. I, I appreciate your call because, uh, first of all, one, I've done a few interviews and podcasts and so on, but the fact that, he, that you're a coach looking at it from a coach point of view and you're the kind of coach that uh, not only is abroad but actually reading books and trying to learn, I was curious to see what uh, you could get out of it. Brilliant. Oh, I got a lot. I got a lot. Um, you know, I... I kind of spoke to you just before we started. I said that the book kind of threw me off at the start. It was it was completely unexpected in terms of the the picture it painted of Pochettino. Um, was the what was the motivation? Did you see you know when you were planning the book and and before you you approached him? Did you see a a top level manager? Did you see the coach a coach on the cusp of, of winning something and doing something special? Or or was there a personality that you felt that would was was a little bit special and that would grab the reader's attention it's it's a process that starts two years ago so you have to look at it that way when you choose a, a subject uh, the book comes out two years after the first conversation about it so two years ago uh, there was mystery about him there was mystery about how he did things and of course there was the doubt uh, or, or, or the, uh, the we didn't know what he was going to be like in two years' time. So he w- he had already chosen a, a club that uh, that had his own particular demands and and idiosyncrasies. So 
would he be able to change the mentality the way he worked uh, and you could see you started seeing that there were there were signs of that uh, and it was obviously another challenge a different challenge to what he had can he come out good of, of it so I thought because I know him personally and once we decided to do the book uh, it was like uh, all right let, let, let's see how he does what he does in what if I thought it would be a very interesting season the season after almost winning it uh, and uh, but being unable to what is there really progress and how who, how do you push people on and how does he do it and that's that's what we decided to do just to look into that season closely it was not go- it wasn't going to be a diary at the beginning it was it was going to be a straightforward kind of biography but I wanted to entertain myself as much as potential readers later on so I thought oh let's let's have fun with the with the with the style and the format and mm. uh, as I always done in all the books and let's uh, try to explain the story of a person that happens to be in football so trying to do more than just a football book mm-hmm. yeah I was saying that the, the start of it kind of threw me off it was I suppose in these books you're almost conditioned to be a lot of praise, a lot of, you know, he's reinvented the wheel. But you've started with, there's a real tone of disappointment and, and even the first two pages is, you know, they're coming off the 5-1 loss to Newcastle. Um, was was this, was that starting point, you know, it obviously sets the tone for a human portrayal. There's a little bit of regret. There's a little bit of blame. Um, or was that a, was the starting point a intent there? Or was there a, was that an opportunity or was it just a coincidence? I, look, I, I like the people that want exploring their own potential and their own ideas and philosophy. They go out of, of the, the profession they're in or, the, or, or, or you know, whatever they, they, their aim is. Uh, so when I try to do a football book, I look uh, at trying to portray the person, as I was saying. But also, I'm, I'm a reader of novels, so I love the literary tricks that novels use. To, uh, to actually involve you in a story and get close to a person. So you actually you put in words something that my intuition uh, had, which was, if I start there, it's about a failure, and it's about how you deal with failure. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's also a, a way of um, portraying the person, not just the guy that loses or wins, but the, the person behind those defeats and those victories. So, yeah, the, the, there are themes throughout the book that you get to see as 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 you work uh, close to to him and his and his coaching staff, like um, the Eric Dyer situation changes during during the sea during the sea that that allows me to have a little story within the story, uh, the the tiniest and the, the demands of, of of being always available for a lot of people, and how do you deal with tiredness? and of course the you know what happens literally. Literally, what happens after you finish the season so badly? What happens is that he, you know, in his case, he just fills himself with uh, junk food and and drinks uh, Argentinian wine. <laughs> so you have to tell all that story. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean the the level of vulnerability that I've just so much respect. For. Like I've, he's always, I've always looked looked at him afar, and I'd really admired him. But the level of vulnerability he that he comes across in the book is just, you know, you have so much respect for that. There is that. Is that natural in his personality? It's it's um it's a funny one, and, and you know that kind of relationship that I had with him for many years. He, he comes from trust, and uh, when I first started talking to him, 
there was no aim behind it. Uh, I, I would, you know, he was, was a Espanol. He was, of course, had been the captain of of, of, of the team I support. I'd seen him in uh, in the stands, and uh, and I've, you know, I've, I've seen him cry for my team, and and I won things with when he won things, like we won the cup, uh, stuff like that. And then I didn't know him personally, but I started to know him when he was a coach, and and there was never. Uh, the intention of, of of you know let's do this because eventually something I'm going to do something with you or you're going to do something with me, so that that uh, just uh, uh, just just started evolving and, and increasing, and then once we started getting to the book, it was he it was like nobody was recording anything. There was as if there was no witnesses of what was happening. I kind of became invisible. So so what you see is the most natural description I have been able to have to put in. Uh, of of how he behaves and the thing about him is that he's the same in front of the cameras behind the cameras in front of the players away from the players uh it's just the same guy uh which is a, a little bit of a surprise when i know many other coaches or elite coaches and they tend to have two sides to them i don't know why i never really understood why i thought it was to protect themselves perhaps i don't know but what one of the uh, you know one of the words in the cover brave new world I think it's relatively new that the guy that actually runs a football club does it based on total naturality. And I think that that kind of had to be reflected in the book. Mm. Do you think that's something now where we want more is even in the past five years as, as obviously Mourinho's the highest profile one? Do you think people want a little bit more of the person now than these managers than they used to maybe? Actually, uh, I hadn't thought of it, but uh, you may be right. It may just be that uh, people... Certain people are not um, uh, don't have enough with just uh, seeing seeing guys in in the in the touchline and hitting them in the press conference. They want to know a bit more. But it's been an interesting reaction from a bunch of Spurs uh, fans. Interesting reaction in that at the beginning it was like, oh my god, I mean, have they opened too many doors? Uh, <laughs> have we told too many stories? Um, completely ignoring the fact that what's happening at Spurs is clearly has got a strong foundation and, and will continue to, to grow. But partly because the fans are superstitious, but partly because they don't have access to that world. And once you give them access, I'd say 90% of fans and the ones who are buying it, uh, buying the book, are, are loving the fact that they are they have access to it. But some are saying, oh my God, oh my God, it's like, don't show us too much. As in, <laughs> they prefer to be ignorant of what's happening behind, behind doors. I just think it was a way of good way of describing one person certainly a, a method a way of working but also what happens generally to managers not just him everybody everybody else when when they have the demands that they have and the and the pressure that they had and now of course uh, i'm having so much fun <laughs> today because uh, uh, newspapers are actually coming out with um this is top newspapers it's coming out with stories like since the book came out uh, Spurs have lost three games, blah blah blah. As if Avuk could actually have any influence whatsoever. <laughs> Forgetting, by the way, that in the process, Spurs has also beaten Borussia Dortmund, Real Madrid, and drew against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. But apparently, the Spurs is only in the Premier League, not in the Champions League. It's, <laughs> people try to explain things, especially the feeds, in the most weird of ways. At first, they thought about this is some trolls from Arsenal. Now I can see some. Some Spurs fans who are, uh, what would be the word? They not they're not very sure of what's going on. Yeah. They don't even 
they don't have the information they don't they don't know what's going on, I guess. Isn't that, isn't that just crazy that that's, that's kind of what society is, is that the people who are reading it have more scepticism than the people who are involved in it? And that's like, it's just crazy. That's... But, you know, those, those who are talking, the, the, the saying, I mean, obviously, those two newspapers that have come out with that story is the way of selling, mm. it's clickbait, isn't it? It's mm. the way of selling newspapers. You know, good. It's, it's as Oscar Wilde said, it's... it's it's good that they talk to you. Good or bad, it's always good that they talk to you. Not a problem. The the Spurs fans that uh, think that the a book. Sorry, I'm laughing, but uh, a book has got any influence on results. Um, are the ones that haven't read it because the ones who read the book, uh, they've been very complimentary because they feel they've they've opened um, a world that they don't have access to and and it allows them to see how things work. Plus, it gives them. That kind of information that I was telling you earlier about, you know, wow, the foundations are strong here. The limits are obvious. The limits are obvious, and nobody forgets what the limits are. But um, it shows you, you know, how they try to overcome those limits. Uh, that's that's for me the, the story of the book, uh, the story of a person involved in football, but also the story of uh, how they trying to beat the obstacles that they find along the way. Mm-hmm. What what was your biggest challenge working with Pochettino and writing it? Was it was it tracking him down for free time? Was it you've said he was pretty open personally, or was there any resistance from the club? What was you know what was the difficulties you had personally? Uh, the first one was to pin him down every week because at the beginning it was relatively easy, but then as the season goes on, there are um, you know the the. the there are there is the obstacle of the uh, of the tiredness that, that I was telling you earlier. So uh, I tried to be with him every Monday for an hour. That's all. Um, so again, when Asen Wenger says I don't have time to do these things, it doesn't really take that time that much time. Uh-huh. If you've got a story to tell, uh, but uh, it, it it was that the first the first uh, difficulty, if you like. But I was absolutely helped massively by his coaching staff and his family. To give me, um, you know, the the the, the, the gaps that, uh, that that he couldn't he couldn't fill, uh, fill, but because the book is not just conversations with him, it's conversations with everybody around him. Uh, it worked anyway. He absolutely worked. So I had the detail of the day to day by his by his staff. When I sat with him, we would discuss things like like his parents or his youth or. Told me stories about uh, Espanol, Southampton, etc. So I put it all together in, in the format that, that we saw. And then once that's written, I wanted him to, because it's written in Spanish originally, because I wanted him to read it and see if he identified the voice that, that what came out was, was his voice. Because, for instance, the Eric Dyer stories, they mostly come from Eric Dyer. Right. Uh, so I had to transform him to. Uh, Mauricio saying in those stories, uh, was he happy with the amount of stuff that was that was coming out that described the relationship and the difficulties that Eric Dyer went through? So uh, sometimes he felt that the way it was written originally was too, uh, what's the word, too um, too, too straight, too strong, mm-hmm. and he needed some subtlety. And the problem is that when you actually translate it into English, that disappears anyway. Uh, or, or the tone, the exact tone in Spanish in English disappears because you say things differently and and, uh, and 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 you use different sentences and etc. So again, the process was once in English, 
did it sound more or less like him because his English is not as good as it is in the written form mm -hmm. of the book. So those were stylish, uh, uh, you know, difficulties that we have to uh, to work with. But uh, but then the, the club was was fine. They they realized it was his project. He's very proud of it. He uh, we we work very closely with the club at, at many many levels. Uh, they obviously wanted to uh, to see what what was in it, but uh, but you know there was no they they corrected two or three things that uh, that had to do with you know Alan has two L's instead of one L uh -huh. <laughs> or the role of the club uh, uh, or that particular person stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's not a controversial book really. Mm -hmm. uh, so so they could you know they, any other club could relax. Mm -hmm. I always find it interesting, and I'm sure you get this an awful lot, the comparison between England and, and European managers. Um, the, the two things for me, and I just want to get your thoughts on this, obviously tactically these you know, the Spanish guys and the Italian guys bring an awful lot, a completely different dynamic, I think a more advanced dynamic to the Premier League, um, which is understandable, but I also think they bring a different dynamic psychologically in terms of their communication and their bonds with players. So Klopp, Pep, Conte, Mourinho's first spell at Chelsea, Pochettino now, there just seems to be, these teams are so tight. Is there an appreciation of psychology outside of the UK that we aren't exposed to? I completely agree with it. And that's, for me, one of the keys of, uh, I would say, Spanish coaches or, or coaches that have been in La Liga that I know that come over to England, uh, you know, the... the, the Pellegrino, Pochettino, Juan de Ramos, all this. Um, I see straight away they've got a different approach to it. And you have to get people buying it. People in the club, the media, the fans, the players, they have to buy it. It doesn't always happen. Uh, I think Juan de Ramos was misunderstood, but his communication didn't allow him to explain what he was trying to do. And there was not enough patience for it. Uh, say the likes of... Uh, of uh, Pochettino does uh, bring all that with him, the hug and the kisses in the cheeks and the way he talks to you, uh, even if you're a, a player or, or his PA, or it's the same tone, the same way of talking. And people are not used to that, not used to that at all. So that either put up barriers or breaks them down. Uh, in this case, because there's an emotional involvement uh, and all we're talking about here is not tactics, but, but psychology. Uh, because there is something uh, with the other person. People put barriers down. Most people did. He changed the culture of the club. He put some standards that others couldn't follow or, or you know, didn't want to. So um, once he got a group of people that work more or less in the same way of thinking a team and, and that he got close to and felt they were good people, then, then, then that's when they've been able to push on. Again, that's not tactics. That's not nutrition. That's not the physical side of things. That that's the mind. That's why one of the things that annoys me about um, English football or British football, I'd say English football because it's more peculiar to English, is that they don't go abroad. Mm. Uh, by going abroad, you're able to challenge yourself, to learn from other cultures, to bring back to England if you wanted to things that you learned that are new. More layers for you as a coach. For when you find players from different nationalities and different circumstances, you're able to answer them better. Mm. It's not about being richer in terms of tactics. It's about being rich as a person. If you go out there as you are doing, you come back and you are a better person. A, a more not better, a more complete person, which mm. helps you with your coaching. It's, it's just like that. So, 
I, I saw it very early, earlier on. I got, I got my, I got some bad, uh, coaching badges. I got my B license, and uh, and a lot of it was obviously, as you learn, tactics and they were mm. set up a team and all that. But uh, but we already were dealing with a lot of. Um, I got it in, in in Belfast. We were dealing with a lot of psychology. There is even more that should be dealt with, because for me, I saw it. I was doing the pep book and, and with this one of course as well and I see it every day with all the managers I speak to it's the part of uh, of the job that perhaps is given less time to but to me is the most important one uh, in terms of how you relate to people how you relate to your own job how you relate to yourself a lot of things that uh, it makes you a better coach if you're aware of them mm, for sure you talked about again another personality quality was the was the the humility that he showed my this is my favorite i'm just going to read this out for the listeners real quick my favorite kind of line or two from the book he said i don't know whether or not i'm a good manager i don't know how you gauge that if you coach espanol and don't win any trophies does that make you a bad manager does winning things make you the best Rijkaard, guardiola villanova Tara Luis, Enrique, all won things at Barcelona, but when Messi, Iniesta, Pique and Busquets are no longer around, it'll be somewhat harder. That is, like, that's deep, isn't it? Well, that, that tells you how you define success. Mm. And that, again, is... Uh, uh, I tried to put that uh, in, in relevant parts of the book because uh, it's, it's, it's one thing that you learn and you can apply everywhere, really. Um let me tell you the story of uh, his relationship with uh, Hugo Lloris. Hugo, before he came in, he was all stressed because he was getting on. He was 28 and he hadn't won anything. And he kept, thought he had left Lyon and came to Spurs thinking, right, this is a club where I can win things. And after two years and three managers, which wasn't happening. And now they get another manager who, who hasn't won anything. And, and, you know, is this the right way? And uh, little by little... Uh, first connecting and then talking a lot and becoming friends they are now. Uh, Hugo Lloris has changed his way of thinking by listening to to Pochettino. He was saying to him, what is success? You know, success is not all your titles. Success is that when you are in training, you give absolutely everything. When you're not in training, you respect the profession so much that you prepare for training, you prepare for the game. Even if that means resting and sacrificing yourself and not going out, whatever it is. You do it, uh, and and again, he told him, you know, the uh, the guy that finishes fifteenth in the in League Two, but he's given absolutely everything he's got, and improved players, and he's done things, you know, to to, to the best of his capabilities. Is he successful or not? And I think Warriors will say now that yes, he he, he is successful because because of that, he's, he's given a hundred percent to it, and respects the profession. Uh, if we we just we are a society obsessed with gold, so everything gets analyzed from the result. Uh, the perfect example is, I didn't see the, the Leicester Spurs game, uh, so I could only say for what I'm hearing, but there were a couple of chances at the end. Spurs could have drawn or lost. If one of those chances goes in, what it would have been in the papers today would be completely different. Mm, uh, so we, we just look at the last result. And we don't look at, the, at things in a bigger context, well, we'll try to because life will be, in a way, better if you don't obsess yourself with, with titles. By the way, they are at Spurs to win titles. That's mm -hmm. what they want to do. They, they aim to do so. But if it's all about winning titles, 
then do we want to be Roberto Di Matteo because he won the Championship League? Is that the aim? Yeah. Is there, you know, as a, as a coach, is that what you want to want to be? Or it's uh, it's it's not one kind of conversation you can have with uh, fans after a game has been lost, but I think it's the kind of conversation that you can have via a book mm. with those that read it, because because yeah, I think life should not be about results. If all you're obsessed about is the, the results. I'll text you the result. You don't even need to watch a game. <laughs> Save yourself the, the price of a ticket. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the uh, another, another aspect of the book I really loved was the fact that it, it doesn't, it doesn't paint coaching as, you know, a lot of books, especially when they're books of great coaches like the Lombardis and the John Woodens, it kind of paints coaching in a real perfect, beautiful way. And, it it was just refresh. I I read it halfway through. I started halfway through our season, and uh, I would just come into our men's coach, uh, and just I'd be like, "You've got to read this. You've got to read this," and he'd be laughing. Is it you? He shares the same frustrations as all coaches. Like he just believes he gets annoyed when players don't have the same passion for the game. He questions their love, doesn't he? And he's, you know, he's he just doesn't feel like his his growing up was so passionate about the game. Does he feel that the players today don't don't have it? So that, that's what I wanted to uh, to hear from a why I wanted to hear from a coach because I felt it wasn't just about Pochettino; it was about coaching and our coaches and and really just any leader of any of any profession. Uh, it's frustrating when people don't arrive on time. You know, you make your effort to be there on time, and they don't arrive on time, or when they they buy, they buy themselves a, a supercar before they even you know are super people mm-hmm. super players or or you know when they not when they're not listening or laughing at the wrong time I don't know there's a lot of things that I think in different ways we all go through and uh, and that that was what I was trying to reflect so there's the kind of things that out of the hours and hours and hours of conversation is the kind of thing I wanted to focus on uh, how how you know how being a coach is as you said it's not just I, I see the light and then I put a team and then we win mm. and, and I wonderful but uh, but also about uh, what it means to to lose and how do you how do you act when you lose and and you know you tr- you're trying to control the whole season your emotions on the on the touchline because you decide that how you want to portray yourself but then you lose it sometimes and then your wife tells you hey you lost it uh, and then it's like oh, yeah yeah she's right so those kind of things I'm sure you all of you go through it ah oh, the the sleep after the feed and you're talking about he's gorging out on chocolate or wine or and he's up and he's it's just the honesty of i mean there's there's the grief part as well if the father-in-law passes away and um i mean is he that like it's kind of this question again is is he that transparent did you go up to him and say hey you know what time were you in bed last night or is he just he just get he just spills it out does he there's a trust there's a there's trust there so mm-hmm. He, he didn't know where all this gonna, which kind of format gonna go in, or what it was gonna go in, or exactly what I was gonna be writing or anything. Um, so my kind of conversation is the kind of conversation I would have normally anyway. Uh, but on this case, it w- there was been there were being recorded, tr- transcribed, and then eventually used for for a, for a book. So um, when you have that trust, uh, and I'm privileged to have had that trust with the people I work with in the books. Um, it's just, it's just, you know, it's delicious. It's, it's, it gives you so much scope. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there was, there was, yeah, you know, he he will sit down and say, okay, what? 
and then I will just ask him things. Apart from one day where it was the other way around, um, <laughs> which was gave me an insight in how he works. Yeah, uh, it's an hour conversations normally we would have. Fifty minutes of that particular conversation halfway through the season, it was me talking, and uh, and him, him asking me questions, and uh, and I end up saying things I never said before, so to anybody. So mm. uh, it it is it was a it was a show of of how yeah how he works with with these players, and obviously you you come out of there completely like thinking I've got his trust and and I cannot let him down. So so I'm sure players go through that as well. Mm. Was that I remember reading a book on Michael Jordan a few years ago, and the the author said that whenever he drove, he allowed Jordan allowed him to drive to the stadium, the games with him, and it was if Jordan brought up the conversation and talked about something, it was okay for the guy to talk to him, but he wasn't allowed to ask Jordan any questions. But was was there any rules? Was there any type of funny ground rules that you know, like don't call me at such and such a time or stay away at this time, or was there anything just Insight on that? Normality. Normality is, is the is the is the, 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 the word that you use more often, apart mm. from brave. Mm. Normality is just normal. Treat everything normal. Mm. Um, you know, uh, he would be talking to Simon Felstein, the head of communications, and a player would be there. Normally, the player would just walk in without even knocking the door. Most of the head of communications will have to leave because he's inferior. That's how it normally works in football teams, but uh, but no, he likes the player to wait and uh, and you know wait for his moment, and so everything had to be normal. So no, there was no, no, no. We obviously I haven't used everything that we spoke of. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere it was. I like to challenge when in conversations. I love talking and I love arguing and discussing things, and uh, a lot of the conversations were to challenge you. Uh, and and some of it opened his eyes about certain things, and, and he kept it kept it for himself, and we kept it for us from mm. for, for the rest of people, you know. But um, there's enough there to just give you an idea of, of what it's like to be a manager, at, uh, you know, at the top, at the peak of his powers right now. Does he go around whistling that Robbie Williams "I Love My Life" song all day? No, I think it was uh, it was one that described what that moment needed, but in a song, and you know the the, the power of songs, a song in, in three minutes. Can tell you more than a guy is planning, you know, in 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 in, in twenty thousand words what 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 he should be feeling or, or or what he's trying to tell you. But sometimes songs just take you to a different level of of feeling and communication. So he used that, but uh, you know, in a group of twenty five, you don't always connect with everybody. Yeah, so absolutely. some of the guys ended up coming out of that room when they heard that this is a song that he played for players. In one of in one of tactical chat, and uh, they came out laughing and singing it. So uh, I'm not sure he found out who sang. Uh, yet, but, uh, it is it is that that you have to deal with. You don't always get it right. You don't. You chat, do you? Yeah. Um, his views on discipline made me laugh again. It was another little chuckle I had about, you know, he, he kind of came across. He he came across as not wanting to be because he has a reputation as as being a little bit of authoritarian. He, he, he seemed to, just want to get your take on this, he seemed to want to step back on that. And he said, like, there's, there's no rule book, it's all common sense. Uh, early, get to training early, greet each other, talk to sports scientists, nutrition tests. And it just made me think of, like, what an average player considers a sacrifice, a great player considers a habit. So he, he doesn't view these things as, 
you know, a, a tough, tough environment. But English players that maybe aren't used to it obviously do. Um, you've been a lot around a lot of teams and environments. Uh, how would you describe the Spurs kind of culture? I don't. I don't think it's so different. Um, everybody's very friendly when you walk around. Uh, the 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 um, the limits are different, uh, but obviously you don't see the limit unless you you completely they are part of the of that culture. But uh, the the main thing is what we were talking earlier. It's, it's, it's not so much about discipline. He treats them as as adults, even though he treats kid some of them as, as children. You know the way mm-hmm. he treats Luke Shaw suggests to me that he sees a kid and, and mm. treats him like or treats him like a like a kid. Everybody needs to be treated a little bit different. But the the ground rules are, are quite basic, and and he, he has to do with respect of of everybody in that environment, and uh, and and you know you can accept uh, certain peculiarities of of some people, but when you are in a group, you have to make sure that that group is a, is a, it's it that th- there are limits to what to, to what is possible. But the main thing is how he how he compares to other to other places is the relationship that he develops with with people. That's that's where I think is a little bit new in, in that uh, because he's got this Latin thing of 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 talking about emotions and feelings and if he's if he's down, he's down. If he's down with flu, he's down with flu. He doesn't have to look strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he develops that kind of uh, of, of relationship with people, will uh, will break down, and uh, and you can get more of those players. So that's what perhaps is different. Where I see a lot of managers wanting to come with a with a manager um, look and voice and and, and 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 everything all day long in front of the players. Mm. And they think that that's the way. I don't know if it's security or what, but that's the way they have to to uh, portray themselves to get the best out of people. Well, he doesn't think that's necessary. Mm-hmm. You've you've taken you, you mentioned you've taken your coaching badges with the you've done your B license with a IFA. Um, where yes. where's you know the different context of a coach training ground meeting and being in front of the camera media skills are the, are those individual meetings. Where's Pochettino at his best? Um, he certainly comes to comes to life in uh, in in tactical charts with with players. Even though his English is not perfect, but uh, his English all of a sudden becomes a little bit more fluent. Things get said there uh, in a way that that you know, if you hear them talk in the press conference, sometimes you think, how can he just then break into a much better English in front of his players. Well, I guess he's a little bit more protective in front of the media, but but in those tactical chats, you see a, you see a passionate guy. Um, the, the 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 one-on-ones, the, mm. the conversations with the, with the, with the, with sometimes the key players, sometimes also key players. That's you know the, the four hours that he was with Lalana uh, when when he was struggling with being the captain of Southampton. Conversations he had with Boyoriz, how he changed uh, Harry Kane. That all comes from or how he, de- he worked with Eric Dyer throughout the season, but particularly in one week to change his his uh, his mind frame. Uh, that's one one v one. That's 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 uh, you know with with door closed and and uh, a half talk to all the players about those moments. What was the best? chat that you had with him and a lot of them come out with with uh, 
you know, in the case of Uyuris, I would say life-changing experiences in a way, but the others with things that open their minds and open their, their eyes about many things and help them in their progression as, as players. I think that's that's his main strength. It would, be, it would be dynamite on the training field, I would imagine. Intense, mm. intense, and uh, and not just him, everybody else around him as well. Uh, that you know what you see on the pitch is what you see in the training session. Uh, this is a is a they replicate exactly what what they do. Um, he loves the, uh, the, the 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 day before a game because that's that's where you get the eleven and uh, and you work with the eleven and and you walk through things and then you discuss things and then you allow players to add whatever they think and uh, and then you start imagining the game. Uh, but there's there's a you know the the, the set pieces are where Mostly by Jesus, the, um, the, 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 there's, the there's times where he he stays in the office because there's so much to deal with. So there's all there's all kind of uh, layers to his coaching, uh, and and you know I, I imagine talking to the players one by one is also seen as a, as coaching. So there's all that where uh, where he spends his time to. Mm-hmm. All right, last last few questions for just for for you personally on the coaching side. You've, what's the biggest buzz in writing this book? You know, from is it the interactions with the coach? Is it the the inside look, or is it the is it kind of opening people's eyes to to what the person is beyond the coach? Uh, you cannot think of the reader. You you just don't know mm. how you're gonna impress them or how they're gonna like what you're writing. You have to just make the best of what you have. Uh, in a way, you know, is what we were talking about. Uh, what he asked people to do, just has always been my my motto in life when you've got the opportunity just just take it and don't forget your privilege to be where you are and i've always felt every monday i felt privileged to be allowed in you know when when you walk in into that huge training ground guy in, in the gate says oh right must be monday because you're here <laughs> and uh, that kind of thing and everybody knows that you come in and everybody greets you and with a smile and and you and all of a sudden you're part of that world that always felt like a huge privilege and then once you get all that information, how can put it together is a lot of fun. Mm. It's a lot of fun uh, to to decide where to go, to use literary tricks to to uh, keep the attention going uh, or the tension going mm. uh, to to push as far as you can uh, and hope that that you know that Pochettino and Karina and uh, that it was it was okay to to uh, to explain it and mostly they just trusted what he came out so. Uh, I'm glad that people have have seen the, the benefit of it because uh, you know I, I went to I went as deep as I could. Um, there were deep conversations, and not all have been used, but as deep as deep as you can in a book uh, with with somebody else. Uh, you know, try to to uh, show the depth of, of of the guy and the depth of each method. So all that is a huge responsibility, but uh, but it's a lot of fun, mm. and then. You know, writing a book doesn't finish there, of course. Then, then there is the the looking after it. It's like a baby that's come out, and you just have to look after it, and make him make him walk. And there is a point where you just let it grow on its own. Uh, but we're not there yet. Brilliant. All right, hypothetical one for you. If if you took the reins as a director in a fo- in a in a big big European club, um, I'm not going to put you on the spot. For who you would hire, what what coach? But I'm sure it would be one of the top five or six in the country or in the world. How the question I want to ask you is: How would you structure the contract? 
you can do whatever, whatever you want with it. And the reason why I'm asking, I, I just want to, like, what's the longevity in, in this business for a coach? Uh, I will give you my one-year contract. Mm, would you? Absolutely. Even if it was Guardiola? Uh, yeah. And, well, he probably will give me, after the first one, he'll probably say one year, not only if I wanted to run here, which is probably what's going to happen on the seat. One year. The first one will be a one-year contract. Um I am the director of football of a football club in, in England, Biggleswell United. And I brought, after the first season with uh, with the manager that we had, I, I realised that it's not, we weren't uh, synchronised, put it that way. And then I brought a, a pro licence coach from Spain, Christian Colas. Uh, he won the first game and then lost the following nine. Uh, but I was seen training. Uh, I knew what I, I had brought. Uh, it was a selection process, even though we are in the ninth division. I wanted to do things properly. And after seven defeats, uh, not knowing that there was still two more to come, but after seven defeats, I renewed his contract. So oh, wow. the idea was stay, to stay one more year at least, uh, hopefully more. But because I, I knew what was happening and I knew that we were going to get it right. Anyway, we lost two more games, but then we, we had 12 victories in a row and kind of the, the, the ships steadied. But uh, he's, he's been with us for three years. He's in, he's in third season now. And there's no idea what we're going to do next season. And I won't tell him. And he won't tell me because he, maybe he wants to move on as well. Uh, but there'll be a point in April or so, uh, a month before the season ends, where we'll say, OK, where are we? Uh, because what's the point of giving a, a three-year contract or five-year contract when, in my eyes, if I had to choose... Uh, what happens the following season, it will be the person I'm with if everything is going well. And I'm not talking about results, I'm talking about performances, I'm talking about the work that, that he's putting in, uh, his selections, uh, how he involves me or not. A lot of things that uh, if he feels right, I know that he's going to continue. It won't matter where we finish. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so one year, one year deals. Interesting. Are we upset? We talked about earlier about the obsession with results in society, but then do we think wrongly as as fans of the game uh, that that it needs to be an Alex Ferguson fifth Arsene Wenger fifteen year job? Is there, you know, is, what's what's the limit that these guys have? Would be my question. Is there a limit? To be honest, uh, it depends on the person because th- there are cases where after three years, you know, you have, they have to move on no matter how good they are because they burn so many breaches. Mm-hmm. There's others that uh, love the day-to-day and building and building breaches. So it depends on the person. Uh, ideally, if uh, if somebody's capable every year of progressing and pushing on everybody, not just the players, but everybody around the club, if, if they have a vision, if they have the energy for it, if they have the enthusiasm, well, the longer the better. But uh, because continuity does help, but it doesn't always work that way. And I think it not only it's not just to keep them on their toes, but uh, after, you know, after it's one year, it's one year. I want to see after one year because I've, if I sign it, if I sign a five-year deal, I don't really know what you're going to be like in two years' time or three years' time, and you get me into into the trouble of getting rid of you and paying you off and etc. So one year, because if you re- develop the relationship that a director of football should have with with his manager with his head coach uh, you know if things are going well and you know if the other guy is is letting you down or not Mm. and then you take the decision you're free to take whatever decision you think it works both sides Mm -hmm. 
I would imagine that was a, a pretty good education then on the director of football side to be to be in you know talking to Pochettino and, and how Tottenham are working because their recruitment and they've got it spot on in recent years haven't they yeah I mean they, this you know every uh, you know getting coaching badges or 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 talking to people or writing books or, or whatever it is uh, it's just a, another string in the bow um, and and all that helps you when when you are talking to to these guys of course and uh, and you know you you say and what people see is that uh, they haven't been able to get superstars well you know you know if you know why when you talk to them or where you, where you have been when you have been a director of football it's not as simple as that you cannot just get the players you want all the time you need the money but you need all the stuff that that attracts them and doesn't always happen and they have signed players no they have agreed with players to join Spurs that haven't haven't come to Spurs and eventually so why is that well there's these dozens of reasons it's not as simple Mm. As as you know, wanting somebody and then just bringing him to the club. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. All, all that all that helps obviously to uh, to understand them a little bit better. It's not championship manager. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, last one for you. You've got, you know these these books, Rafa, Pep, Pochettino. If we gave you one coach, dead or alive, from a personality <laughs> or a what who would it be any sport any coach um for what to do another one of these books oh i see i don't know i mean you know what i would like to to find and i think i found him just doesn't know it yet and uh, <laughs> i'll meet him next week and i'll try to convince him to do it and now i need now a a somebody who is about to become a manager Mm. Who's come out of, of you know? Because uh, for Rafa Benitez was an emigrant coming to a new country with a lot of mistrust, uh, but he had one thing. So you know that was one way of Pep Guardiola is somebody right at the top. Uh, Pochettino's one that uh, hasn't won anything, but does things in a different way. I just like to go with, in the journey with somebody for a couple of years that is starting, but that is interesting enough. To to following following that process, so uh, that may be the next one, but I cannot tell you who it is. <laughs> well, Eric, I pr- I really appreciate your time this morning. Um, the book is I I from a personal coaching perspective, I think this is where books are going to go because we've we've got so much access now as coaching to sessions and exercises and and tactical analysis that. I think the biggest thing, the the next frontier for coaches is why why do they make that decision? Why what are they trying to build? Why are they shaping their culture that way? Why are they recruiting this type of player? And I think you can only get to why if you start to look at the person that's making the decisions. So I'm hoping that you've that you're kickstarting a a massive massive trend because I think this is where coaching and we talked about coach development in the UK and and in America as well. We've we just we're just psychologically not even close to where we need to be at the minute. Um, so the more the more exposure we can get for books like this that can kind of give us exposure to the person before the coach, I think it's really really going to help the profession and and really going to help young coaches kind of learn of. It's not just wearing a smart suit. It's not just standing on the sidelines pointing. It's and there's a lot more that goes into it than that. Yeah, I think there are other books like it, but if we started a trend, I would 
definitely be very, very, you know, very, very clearly that would be the success of the book. So uh, let's help for it. Brilliant, brilliant, Guillaume. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time, and um, and we'll we'll talk soon, hopefully. My pleasure. All talk right. To you soon. Bye bye. Thanks so much to Guillaume for his time and his insight there. I, I really, really enjoy talking with him. Uh, obviously, I've said it at the end there. I think that's where that's where we're going to want from books and, and that's where coaching books, I hope, will take us in the next few years beyond X's and O's and beyond uh, sessions and exercises and more into the person, more into the reason why they work the way they work and, and a little bit more insight into their lives because... I think as personalities and the commu- and the communication aspect of coaching becomes so 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 much more important, uh, we're going to need to find out how guys like Pochettino and Guardiola and the, the top coaches in the world maneuver around that aspect. So uh, I think I think that's the future, and and I highly recommend all coaches go and get a copy of it. Brave New World, Guillaume Balague on Pochettino and and. Um, Hope you enjoy. Also, if you if you like the chat, please, 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 please take the time, rate the podcast, give it a good rating if you liked it, um, give it a tweet, shoot some love out on social media. Uh, we've got some good ones coming up and appreciate uh, all the listens and, and spreading the word means a lot. So thanks for your time, thanks for your support, and I will see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.